Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. I believe as parents that our greatest desire for our children is not that they would be wealthy, it's not that they would be famous, but I really genuinely believe that our greatest desire is that our kids would have an intimate love for Jesus Christ and that they would be useful for the kingdom of God. I really believe every person in this room, I mean, that's your desire as a parent. That's what you want to see, uh, that next gen, if you will, that next generation of kids walking in. Man, they, they love God, and they're really useful. They're great tools in the hand of the king to use however he desires. That's our desire. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17, it says this, To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child who just wants his own way. Discipline your children, and they will give you a peace of mind, and they will make your heart glad. There's so many statements in the book of Proverbs about parenting, about raising up that next generation, about training up a child in the way they should go. There's so much wisdom that God has given us in the book of Proverbs to shape that next generation. And here's what I would say. Discipline, again, that word is used repeatedly, but discipline must start in the heart of the parent. You must live a disciplined life. You've got to be in training every day. You've got to yield yourself to the hand of the Lord based on Romans 12 and present yourself as a living sacrifice. I'm going to give you five principles that have uh, kind of shaped the way I do life, but they're all found in the Word of God. Here's what I would say when it comes to parenting. Number one, be the example. As a parent, you model it. You model what's right, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. We have to be the example. Deuteronomy chapter 6, listen to this. He says, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words that I am commanding you today the Rhema sayings. Back then, we're talking about the Pentateuch. We're talking about the first five books of Torah. But now we have 66 canonized books. Even when God has given this word to the people of Israel through the, the mouth of Moses, if you will, listen to what he's commanding. Listen to what he's saying. Listen, listen to the word of God. And then he says this. These words I'm commanding you shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently, consistently, with endurance and perseverance. Teach them to your sons, to your daughters, etc. You shall talk of them when you sit down. You shall talk of them when you lie down. You shall talk of them when you rise up. Meaning 24-7, wherever you're at, you've got to be talking the things of God, the sayings of God, the ways, the word, the will of God. And then he says, bind them as a sign on your hand, as frontals on your forehead. You shall bind them there. Keep the word of God in front of people. Keep the sayings of God. Write them on the doorpost. 
Write them on your, the gates of coming into your house. Write them wherever you can. Here, here's the point. Develop every day. Keep developing a passionate relationship with God. It is our responsibility as parents to model this, to do what's right. We, we can't pass on what we don't possess. You can't. You can't give what you ain't got. And so repeatedly throughout the pages of Scripture, he tells us, hey, parents, make sure that you're loving God and putting God first, keeping God center of everything that you do. And here's what I know. The, the foundation for a great marriage and the key to successful parenting is to love God above everything else. I, I remember conversations years ago when Dobson and all, all the stuff of focus on the family and people go, man, you got to focus on the family. You got to focus on the family. That's got to be your top priority. And I, I was like, no, you've got to focus on the Lord. You've got you've to make sure that your primary affection and focus is on the Lord. And then God gives us in marriage as spouse for Barb and I, and it's like, all right, we want to love each other. We want to care for each other, and we want to train up that next generation. But my primary focus has to be on Jesus Christ. Again, you cannot pass on what you don't possess. And it's so important that we possess a, a, just an intimate walk with God. Here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a thought. You've got to make the Word of God your standard. The Word of God has to be the baseline of what you reason from. Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching, which implies the mom and dad better be established strong in their walk with God, and they better be strong in the Word of God. And the problem is this. So many Christians even today, they do parenting based on tradition. They, they do parenting based on how they were raised. Or for so many, they're just guessing. And we want to be a resource for you. We want to come alongside and help you any way we can. We know that God has a standard. And God has given us a blueprint for how life is to be lived, how parenting is uh, to be shaped, how marriage is to be done, how we're to handle our time, talents, and treasure. We know that God has spoken. God is not shy. He didn't stutter. He has spoken with clarity. And we've got to know God's truth. And so when we pass that on to that next generation, we can help shape so many different people's lives. Listen to me. It's so, so important. Another key, another key is realize this. A strong marriage adds stability to your children's life. A strong marriage adds stability to your children's life. It is not easy raising children even when you're in love with God. Parenting is not easy. It's fatiguing. It's exhausting. It will wear you out, especially when you have five or more. <laughs> I was taking Caleb to school. We were driving to school on Friday, or should I say he was driving me to school on Friday. They're expensive. I don't want to pay insurance for these next two. Please help me, Jesus. But anyway, we were driving to school, and he made this statement. He said, you know, he said, based on research, he said, from the time a, a child is born until they're about 18, he goes, uh, it, it costs about $250,000 to raise that child. 
I said, that's right. He's like, wow, that's a lot. I'm like, yeah, you multiply 250, brother, time five. I could have had hair implants. No, I mean, I might be looking better today, Caleb. No, but it costs. But we got into that conversation is it's expensive. But I'm telling you right now, when you've got two people that are really seeking to honor God, to know God, and walk with God, pulling in the same direction, it's still very difficult to raise kids. But I can promise you, it's nearly impossible to raise that next generation when you've got a shaky, jacked-up marriage. I'm just telling you it is. And, and, and I know by the grace of God, I'm not that smart. I was lost. When I came to faith in Christ, whoo, Praise God, I needed the gospel. I had one of my cousins, he got a girl pregnant. She was an 11th grader. He was a senior. And I was like, oh, my God. He, and when the baby was born, and, and praise God, this dude's one of my heroes with the way he's done it. He pressed into the Lord and got his life right after this. But I couldn't imagine starting that young. And I'm looking at people right now that started that young, and I'm like, Oh, my God, I, I would not have had the foundation. I would not have had the structure. I would not have had the direction. That, that would have been, I can't imagine doing that. But so many people start shaky, and you don't have the foundation, and you're guessing, and you're trying to figure it out, and you're butting heads, and it gets bumpy at times. I'm just telling you, it's hard. Strengthen and deepen your marriage. Work on your marriage every day. When I interviewed at the church here, I'll never forget. They're like, do you have a resume? A resume? No, uh, a resume. And I said, yes, I've got a resume. It's my life, it's my wife, and it's my kids. You, you think something on paper is really going to give you an indicator of who I really am? The fact that I went to this college or that college and graduated from here and did, that, that does, that's not an indicator of who I am. The only thing I've got to present to the world is my life, my wife, and my kids. Look at our marriage. If my marriage is jacked up, uh-uh. And, and that's the scrutiny of even hiring staff. It's like, all right, let's see how they do with each other. If they don't love each other, how can they love anybody else if they're shaky? So here's what I would say. If you're a single parent, ah, I can't imagine how hard it is. I don't know that. I've never had that. So some of you girls right there, I mean, Tara, Rachel, Jen, I don't know it. I don't know how difficult it is. But I know it's got to be so fatiguing and so hard because so many of our girls in here are single moms. And there's some single dads. But I would tell you this, one of the keys of being able to help your kids move in the right direction is not to dog and condemn and damn and shame the spouse that's no longer in the house. Amen. That ain't going to help anything. Now, I promise you, y'all are working together, and there's so many of you single girls that meet in small group and all this, but I, I can tell you, we are here to help you any way we can. And believe me, when it comes to Nick or Steve or Dustin or me or Rick, our tassel is not turned. We're still in process, too. So we're still trying to figure it out every day, but I know it's so difficult. True success 
in parenting or even in life is being so desperately dependent upon the presence and power of God that your life is being shaped by your continual need for the Savior. I can promise you, your desperation and dependence on the, on the Savior daily and saying, I can't do it without you, will shape how you do life. Here's some things I wrote down as I contemplated even the journey, and I, I hope this helps you. But be an example. Model some of these things. Model authenticity. I mean, just model it. Be authentic. Be real. Be genuine. Be believable. When you say something, do it. Let your word carry some weight. Uh, be content. You can't tell your kids to be content when you're constantly wasting and spending and doing all this stuff yourself. You can't pass on what you don't possess. You've got to have it in your heart. Be courageous. Be compassionate. Be discerning. You, you want that next generation to use discernment? You better be using discernment. What you model, you can mandate. But you can't mandate what you don't model. You can tell them, but if you ain't living it, here's what I know. People do what people see, and people repeat what people hear. So God has called me to be forgiving, to be generous, to be honest, to be kind, joyful, humble, loving, obedient, patient. Come on. You've got to model it. If that's what you're, you're saying, hey, I, I want to teach my kid, I, I got to. Look in the mirror. How are you doing it? Are you persistent? Are you self-controlled? Again, people do what people see. So it is our responsibility to model it. Second thing would be this. Extend unconditional love. Extend unconditional love. Proverbs 4, my children, listen to your father's instruction. Pay attention and grow wise. I'm giving you good advice. Don't turn away from my teaching. Take my words to heart. Hey, I love you. I'm for you. I want to see you win. Listen, listen, listen. I love you. Listen to me right now. Nobody loves you any more than I do. Stay with it. Listen, follow my instructions and you will live. Learn to be wise. Develop good judgment. Come on, you can do it. And true love is not giving them what they want. It's giving them what they need. And it's understanding, hey, I, I, I'm here on an assignment by God to train you in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm not here to be a cosmic Santa to, to just give you whatever you want. That's not why I exist. Materialism is not going to satisfy your soul. And unconditional love, I'm telling you personally, I didn't come into the world in the faith that none of us do, but I lived like I was lost through high school and college. Man, I lived lost. I lived reckless. And I broke my mama and my daddy's heart. And it crushes me to this day with some of the pain I brought in their life. Coming home intoxicated, coming home jacked up, language all over the map, just foul, brutal. And, and, and my mom, I love my mom. To this day, my mom is 77 years old. She's never had a drink of alcohol in her life. And she just avoided but I remember the pain and shame I brought into her life. But here's one thing I always knew. Even in my reckless, radical, rebellious, prodigal living, I was loved unconditionally. Are you listening to me? I knew I was lost. 
But man, I knew I was loved. And I never doubted my parents' love for me. And I think a lot of times as parents, we, we love conditionally. I'll tell them, man, my child has jacked it up so bad. I mean, they, they, they have been wasted for years. I, I can't even look at them. I hear you. And our hearts get broke, and it's hard. But does God love me more when I behave right, or does God love me unconditionally? See, the truest thing about me is that God loves me, not based on my behavior. It's not like God loves me when I'm sharing Christ with others, or God loves me because I'm giving, or God loves me because I don't use bad language. Or God, God loves me, period. But because God's love is so strong, it compels me to want to witness and to clean up my mouth and to watch all this stuff going on and to serve and to live a generous life. I, I don't do it so he'll love me. He loves me, and I just want to do it. See, God don't love me because I'm special, but I'm really special because God loves me. And, and, and unconditional love of the Father is what wooed me to the cross. Now, it's hard, and I promise you it's hard, but if you can fill in the blank of this statement correctly, it can change the way you do life every day. God is pleased with me because blank. What you put in that blank is crucial. God is pleased with me because blank. Because I go to church and because I read my Bible occasionally. If it's anything that you're bringing to the dance— then you've got a twisted view of the gospel. God loves me, and God is pleased with me because of Jesus, period. Jesus plus nothing completes me. Now, the Holy Spirit starts working in my life. Do you want to live a missional life? Absolutely. Do you want to love your wife as Christ loves the church? Absolutely. Do you want to be the best dad that you can be? Absolutely. But God loves me, and God is pleased with me because of his son's sacrifice. But now I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, and the desire is there to say, I want to always walk in a manner pleasing to my Father. Come on. So unconditional love is so essential. And one of the keys in parenting is focus on their character, not just their conduct. And always be about trying to groom character. Groom their belief system, their core belief. Always keep your eyes on the heart and not just the action. Here's another one. Be encouraging. Oh, this is so huge. Be encouraging. Criticizing your child may not make them stop loving you, but criticizing your child may make them stop loving themselves. And there's so many parents that beat their kids down. They're criticizing and they're condemning. And maybe something just innate in the child says, well, I'm supposed to love my mama or my daddy. But beating them up verbally, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, whatever, Physically, they may not stop loving you, but they may stop loving themselves and feel like they're dirt, they're trash, 
and run into sedate and medicate and all kinds of crap can happen in a person's life. Y'all listen to me. Some of y'all in here today are carrying the scars of so much rejection and pain, it's not even funny. You were beat down, and the Father wants to build you up. And we're seeking to speak life of blessing and hope and direction to you today. Be encouraging. My child, Proverbs 3.21, don't lose sight of good planning. Don't lose sight of good planning and insight. Hang on to them. They'll fill your life. They'll bring you honor. Encourage your children. Speak a word of blessing over your kids that attaches high value and even a promising future. I promise you, you can do it. Once you get to know their heart and their spirit and how they're wired, man, let me tell you what I see you being so good at. But you can encourage them. Here's a fundamental thing that we've got to get our minds around. Listen to me. There is a difference between encouragement and in praise. Praise says, I'm proud of you for what you do. Encouragement says, I'm proud of you for who you are. I'm proud of you for who you are. You were created in the image of God. You're, you're beautiful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not trash. And there's so many that know how to praise somebody based on performance, but we don't know how to encourage anybody just based on who they are. Man, I, I just want to encourage you. I want to speak life. I want to speak direction. I want to help you out. And, and here's something huge. Oh, this is so good for me. One of the assignments that I have as a dad is to seek to protect my children because I know that they're growing up in a world today that is flooded with humanism, that is flooded with, with, with just sexual media messages. And there's so much crap in regards to false teaching and just corrupt media opportunities and outlets for them. It is our responsibility to keep our eyes on what they're doing, who they're doing it with, where they're at. It is your responsibility. Now, I understand there's age-appropriate stuff that goes on. But when my kids get a phone at 14 years old, hey, Life 360, I'm going to keep an eye. Well, I don't want you to know where I'm at. Then give me the stinking phone. I pay the bill. You don't have a phone. I make the rules. But rules without relationship promote rebellion. So you better make sure that there's healthy relationship. Then you come alongside and establish the rule. It won't promote rebellion. But when you start to give people rules and you don't have great relationship with them, inside the human heart, we're already born sinners. It promotes rebellion inside of us. So I would encourage you, monitor as you protect them. Monitor their phones. Monitor computers. Monitor who they're hanging out with. Monitor what they're listening to. Why? Because God is calling me to help protect them and promote their growth. What I'm doing is not to prevent you from experiencing life. I'm just putting an extra set of eyes on you to help promote growth for you. And here's, one, here's a big one right here, Jeffrey. You've got to understand your child's greatest need. You, you've got to understand your child's greatest need. And your child's greatest need is attached to confronting your child's greatest problem. 
And your child's greatest problem is that they were born into the world little sinners. Their greatest need is not education and it's not transportation. But your child's greatest need is transformation. Because they were born into the world, little sinners, your child's greatest need and my child's greatest need when they're born is they need a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. What's your greatest need? I know what your greatest need is. But you have to confront the greatest problem, and the greatest problem is we're all born into the world self-centered, selfish, sinful, wanting to do it our way. So be encouraging. Come alongside. Keep your eyes on what's going on. I promise you, you can help them big time. Here, here, here's another one. Establish healthy boundaries. Establish healthy boundaries in your home for your kids. God's commands Proverbs 6, and his teachings are a lamp to light the way ahead of you. The correction of discipline is the way to life. Man, we got to have some healthy boundaries. We want guardrails. And we increase the playing field, if you will, the older they get. You're showing you're responsible. You're showing you're accountable. Let me say this to you. You can't encourage healthy boundaries for your kids when you don't have healthy boundaries for yourself. When you don't practice what you preach, your sermons lose validity. Boundaries are crucial. Here, here's some stuff I wrote down for me. Model healthy boundaries. Children, again, learn more about what we do than what they see. Do I live with responsibility? Am I responsible? Do I live with accountability? Do I live a generous life? Do I have boundaries in place when I travel? Is there boundaries in place that as soon as I uh, get to the airport, even in Atlanta, when I travel, Barb, I'm at the airport. Once I get to the gate, looks like we're on time. As soon as I land, hey, babe, I just landed here in KC or Phoenix or wherever I'm going. Hey, I'm going to grab a rental car. I'll holler at you in a bit. I got Life 360, so not only does she know where I'm at, the rest of them do, and I never turn it off because I want them to know where I'm at. Hey. Checking into the hotel, bam, I'm going to go have dinner with this guy. This is where I'm going to be. Do I have boundaries in place? Because so many people are slippery. I want her to know that I take a bath in Elmer's, not Vaseline, so that when she grabs a hold of me, she can stick to what I'm saying, and it's true. So many guys I deal with, I deal with so many slippery, greasy, stinking guys that you try to grab them in a conversation, and I'm like, man, stop bathing with Vaseline, man. You slippery, slimy dog. <laughs> Come on, Kenneth, man. You know what I'm saying. Do I have accountability? Do I live in community? Do I live a generous life? Do I read? Do I study? Do I share my faith? If I'm trying to encourage you to do that, am I living that? Have healthy boundaries, too. This is simple, but make the boundaries clear and concise. Sit down and have a conversation. Hey, here's, here's what this looks like right here. Because you can inspect what you expect after you've communicated what the boundary looks like. And if you're trying to figure it out, saying, hey, what are some healthy boundaries? We'll help you. We, we can let you know some things that we feel like are, are glorifying God and good for the, the people. So Nick, Dustin, all, I mean, we want to help you. Uh, three, define what the consequences are. 
hey, if you break the law, man, here's what's going to happen if you do it. All right? It's just the way it works. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says that when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled to do wrong. So when we delay consequences, it's almost like we're denying them. I was watching this piece on Aaron Hernandez. He's the stud football player that came out of the Northeast, uh, Bristol, Connecticut, and he played at the University of Florida and went on to play with the Patriots, but he got charged for all these murders and stuff, and he hung himself in a jail cell. I was watching this piece the other day, and they were talking about the first time he got arrested when he was at the University of Florida. And because he was this stud college football player, they basically, basically Thomas swept it under the rug and just kind of slapped his hand, and, but there was no consequences for it. And the girl that was his girlfriend, baby's mama, whatever you want to call it, when they were interviewing her and interviewing others, their statement was this, I wonder how his life might have shifted if there would have been weighty consequences for the first thing he did when he got in that fight outside that bar. But because he concluded that I'm above the law, then he gets busted again because he goes into some restaurant and he doesn't even pay his food tab and he walks out and he's like, you, you don't know who I am. And people treated him like he was somebody because he could run and catch a ball and score a touchdown. But that's the culture in which we live. It's almost like we've got double standards across the map. And if we don't learn the importance as parents to shape that next generation, hey, here's the consequences for doing that. I don't care who you are. I saw you born. I wiped your butt when you were a baby. You are not impressive, okay? <laughs> but I think a lot of times in this thinking Dr. Seuss feel-good society, well, we, we, we don't want to hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings? My daddy would spank my tail and, and did not mind doing so. That spare the rod, spoil the child wouldn't happen in Ed Earl Cash's house. Go grab a switch. Mm. Oh, that'd be child abuse a day. That dude loved me. He was trying to spank some sense into my head. Do you hear me? That man never abused me. That man would die for me. He got up and worked every day, and here we are in this politically correct, makes me sick at my stomach. Makes me sick. It does. It makes me sick. I didn't even have that in the notes, man. That's the kind of stuff that... But here's the deal. When you set a boundary, be consistent with it and follow through with what you say. I mean, say what you mean and mean what you say. I mean, just, oh, let me see if y'all can clap for this one. Mm. This is not a feel-good thing, but this is the God-honest truth. It is not the church's sole responsibility to raise your children. Y'all hear me? This is the truth right here. There is 10,080 minutes in a week, and we may get 80 here on a Sunday and maybe another 80 on a Wednesday night, Nick. And we've had so many people at times, well, the church is just, uh, it's just letting my child down. 
No, man, let me tee up a little Michael J for you with a man in the mirror. You need to learn a new song. You're going to start with a man in the mirror. You're going to take responsibility that you haven't showed up, grown up, gotten up, and know what's up in your child's life, and you want to hold us hostage? Oh, you're going to take off because your child is a rebel, and you're going to hold us hostage for the 80 minutes we get? Really? I don't know who permitted you to use that logic in the past, but here's where it stops, Bubba. Okay, do we want to do everything we can to help you? Yes. Nick, do we try to provide every tool we can? Dustin knows. Right now, media, there's libraries of stuff. There's small groups. We want people to get connected and get involved. But I promise you, it is your God-ordained obligation and duty to raise your children in a godly way. Heads up. That's where it starts. Now, when we come here, we're all working together. And so many of our families work together. And we're going to do anything we can to help network, to help shape that next generation. But I'm just telling you right now, it gets tired. And, and it shows you how weak the individual is that would use such an excuse. I'm just telling you. Here's the last one. Oh, and you can do this. Create a joyful home environment. I love Proverbs 15, 16. It says, uh, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and all the trouble that come with it. Did y'all hear me? Better is a little with the fear of the Lord. Better, better, better. Simple translation. It is better for you to focus on Jesus and have the basics than to allow your eyes to get taken away and your affection to get taken away on all this. It's going to rust and not last anyway. It's more important for you to create that kind of culture inside your home where there's a space for love and there's a space for laughter and there's a space for conversation and a space for repentance and authenticity and true, true, just surrender to the Lord and a space for grace and a space for joy. Oh, that's better than having a bunch of stuff that's not going to last. Y'all hear me? That's the kind of place we were always desiring to create inside our home. Now listen to me. Mama Kate, that's the kind of space that we've tried to create at the Cross Loganville. We want people to come in and know that we love you. We care about your story. We want to see you flourish. We want you to know that this is a place of transparency. Your story's not going to be used against you. Nobody's going to beat you up with it. But we're going to bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to seek healing. And we're going to seek restoration. And we want to see you be all you can be and the best you can be for the glory of God. And we're going to connect you with others in small group because we believe that true life is done in circles and not in rows. And we believe that when you're doing life with other people, there's strength when we come together. I mean, we were dealing with a situation this past week of some girls that had gone through a sexual abuse way back. And 
Dustin was like, he, he, he brought these two girls over and introduced them to another girl who had shared her story, who was violated. And this girl was like, my story matters. Even though I had all this violation in my pain, God was using his redemptive love in my story for these girls right here. And she was telling us that, and I was like, and I, I'm so sad and so sorry that was your story. But I really believe that God can make all things new, and God is wanting to redeem whatever you're coming out of. Some of us grew up in a church, man, it's like, eh, I ain't ever done too much bad stuff. Well, there's somebody else that has played the scale game, and they're thinking, well, I've done more good than bad, so I'm okay. No, I was as lost as the person who had a needle stuck in my arm and needed the shed blood of Jesus as much as they did because people said the darker the night, the brighter the light, but the truth is the brighter the light, the brighter the light because darkness will send you to hell, and there ain't no degrees of darkness. There ain't no degrees. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church, 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.